Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, created and hosted by me, broadcaster Belle Crawford. On the show, we're joined by someone you may recognize from your TikTok feed, your mom, aka Chelsea, I bet you didn't know that was her name, known for her fashion content and luxurious hippie antics and storytelling. Growing up in Laguna Beach, a place many of us fantasize thanks to our pop culture obsession, with the reality show starring none other than Elsie, Lauren Comrade, of course, on Laguna Beach, which led to my personal favorite spin-off, The Hills. Spidey, Audrina was my favorite, and let's not even get started on Justin Bobby. A career in fashion saw Chelsea land in New Zealand to study. She met her now husband, and we got to keep her. Fast forward a few years, and Chelsea and her family's lives were completely rocked when their then two-year-old son received a cancer diagnosis. Chelsea generously shares her story with us, which through therapy she is now able to speak about. An incredibly strong mother, resilient with the biggest heart, and I know this episode's going to be really inspiring if you've ever gone through anything. We all have our struggles. Chelsea's story is so inspiring, and I know a lot of this sounds really heavy, which it is, but there is a lot of light in this episode as well. Before we get into it, please make sure that you're subscribed on your podcast app. Hit follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Chelsea, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for coming to have a chat with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I love a chat. I love a gab. I talk too much sometimes, so perfect, perfect environment. No, I love it. It's perfect for this. Now, tell us a bit about yourself and what you're up to, because I discovered you on TikTok, like a, a lot of people may have seen you, and you're just a ray of sunshine. You're so much fun. I love hearing you chat about things. I find you really interesting. So yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good one. Um, I moved here to New Zealand like 10, 11 years ago. I kind of forget. A bit of a whim. Like I did it kind of as like a one for the memoirs. Like let's let's make this life memorable kind of thing. It was for a master's study in knitwear design. So I was a queen, queen knitter back in my day. So always kind of into fashion from a really young age. But yeah, I fell in love with this country and a man in this country, a Kiwi. Not a bloke, but like a little proper Kiwi. Yeah, and I just really fell in love with the country and fell in love with the people. And I'm really happy to live here. Like I think I told you the last time we talked, I went back home and people were like, oh, you live in New Zealand now? Like everyone was so excited to learn where I lived. And like we just, especially Californians, I, I think especially have this like idea of like, ooh, New Zealand. Like it's so like, ooh, all the way on the other side of the world, but like clean, green. And like just, it's like almost like a lore behind it. Like, oh, 
New Zealand. <laughs> so I went back home and I was very much like felt quite Aww. proud of myself like, <laughs> for living there. But um, I love that. Yeah. I think just growing up, I've always kind of been a bit of a talker, like an orator. And that comes from my dad. So he was like a Latin and English teacher for years and years and just one of those kind of people that always had a story would like stop and talk to you for hours and hours and so you know just sitting around the dinner table he'd like read books to us and this was this was before the internet where I'm that old like you know <laughs> like you know so I really do come from that kind of environment and being raised in just like a really special way but kind of recognizing that I am really lucky and really thankful to have been raised in such an like an amazing unique way by really amazing unique people. Oh, I love that. We're going to find more um, out more about you, but, you know, take us back. Where did you grow up? Um, you've mentioned it already, but like, I don't know, as Kiwis, again, you know how you say Americans and people in California love hearing about New Zealand. We love hearing about, I don't know, maybe it's just me growing up watching Laguna Beach and everything. And I know that's not always real life. But. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, um, yeah, no, Laguna Beach. So I was born and raised in Laguna and it's a beautiful town. And it is very, it's funny because I went back to Laguna this last December. We spent kind of the month there and I was like, oh my God, it's not changed. Like it's the same. There's like, it's same, same, but different. So you still have the Sawdust Festival, you have the Winter Festival. And like, it really is kind of like what you saw on TV but just a little bit more wholesome, I kind of want to say. Like, there's the hippie side to Laguna as well. We've got the art. It's an artist community at the end of the day. It was born as an artist community, and there's still those little kind of tidbits left which I really like, that's my heart. Laguna is just, it's a dichotomy. It really is. Yeah. There's like, you know, you've got like in most insane wealth you could possibly think of. Like I had a friend who her 13th birthday, she um, chartered a private jet to go to New York. And that's just like, and that was the normal thing. But the thing is you have to recognize that it's like normal for that. And it's not normal. I think the biggest thing, especially leaving Laguna was recognizing of like how big of a bubble it really was. And just understanding that life's not like that for everybody and really like having a culture shock coming outside of it like the first time I was on BART in San Francisco or like the Muni I just I saw like young kids and they would be like 12 or 13 and genuine and homeless because San Francisco is a huge city for homeless and it just it rocked my world because I I'd never experienced that so Laguna it really is a bubble and it really is kind of like what you saw on those tv shows but there's really good sides of it too so I don't ever I don't ever want to like pigeonhole it into one little area but um you yeah, know I was really lucky being brought up in such an amazing beautiful town and like having that kind of quintessential southern california life like beach girl the whitest of white freckly beach girls you could possibly get and it was really important i think for my family to like reinstill in me that like that kind of life isn't normal and like you shouldn't expect it to be normal like just understand how like truly blessed you are and like i think that was the biggest thing especially for my dad raising like his girls in Laguna before he passed that was one of the biggest things that we kind of had to like get across to him that we that my sister and I for sure wanted to be like thank you for giving us this amazing life but we also know that like it's not normal it, we were really lucky to have been raised in a really unique way by really unique people like I, I'll keep saying that my dad was such a character and my mom is too like just the complete opposites of human beings from the depression like 1930s like crazy morals and crazy values and like the value of a dollar was instilled in me at such a young age and like I've worked from the time I've been like 13 up until a few years ago so very much like 
you will pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And like, we had a joke about like, oh, I'm a homesteader. But like, I grew up on that, like we had an orchard, we had a vegetable garden, like, you know, we were in a multi-million dollar house, but we also had a nice, we were salt of the earth kind of people. My mom just like an insane, crazy hippie, like self-proclaimed flower child, like walking through the bushes being like, look at nasturtiums for your salads. I love it. And when you share your stories on TikTok about your mom and you're talking about like, you make up these little potions for like the bath and things I just love hearing about that I think my mom's a little bit of a hippie I've got hippie tendencies I'd say I wouldn't say she's full-blown hippie she's like a probably a bit more of a fancy hippie but she you know I just love it's very it's nourishing and it's wholesome hearing about things like that you know oh that's what I say it's a luxurious hippie you could like it's a very much yeah. like goals that's my very much my goal like just a luxurious <laughs> hippie is definitely where yeah. I like aim to be because it's like, not just, you know, just like be one with the earth and, you know, do all of these things, but also like luxuriate in a bath full of oil yeah. that will soften the skin. I love that so much. And as Chelsea touched on before, when we caught up the other day, we were just chatting like so much. It was so great. And I was like, I've got to get you on and start chatting about this on, on the podcast. But we did joke about, you know, and you cracked me up. You're like, homestead, Chelsea, because we were talking about, you know, I had gone out somewhere slightly rural out of Auckland and I was like, oh gosh, it was so nice. And, you know, there's orchards and I dream of living in like a beautiful house out there. It's just so wholesome. Oh. And my boyfriend was joking. He's like, you know, that's not a mecca over there, right? And I'm like, I could do this. I, I've always liked this idea. And like, then you, if you're still close to a city, you can still do all that stuff, but you don't need to be there all the time. I know. I feel like in a perfect world, I'd love it. But you get me there and it'd be like an hour and a half out to like a local store. I'd be like, this is uh, yeah. taking my time. I do love city living. Like I really do. I really feel thankful. Like we're in kind of adjacent, you know, like I, I call this city. We're in a, a mm. suburb of the city. And I, I just, I love having that kind of like closeness to everything. I just, I don't know. It's very much. Yeah, same, I think. Maybe he's right. <laughs> Never like, I guess, yeah, I guess you can have fruit trees in like the in the suburbs as well. Like you don't have to live on a farm, you know. <laughs> Our entire house is surrounded by fruit trees because I just, oh, I, I, need, I need to have like I do need to have a little bit of like the salt of the earth, but I also yeah. need to be close to <laughs> Newmarket. <laughs> Same feels, girl. Yes. And now we're gonna move on to your time in New Zealand soon, but I wanted to ask you, like growing up, you sound like you were quite a creative person. You're in this creative environment with your parents did you know what you wanted to do honestly do you know what I told them from a very early age I wanted to be a news anchor like Murphy Brown or I'd be like like Connie Chung like it was just one of those things in my head and I told him that because I wanted to I said I want to know everything before everybody and I want to be the one to tell them and that's very much my personality I love that <laughs> yeah that's cool but I um I did a lot of schooling so my dad got sick in high school and essentially like when I was 18 he sat me down after my birthday and was like, I've got a year to two years left to live. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and it really just because it was the last few months of high school and I really had a moment. We were getting like early acceptance letters to college. So it was at that time when I was like, okay, like I made this really poignant decision to say, well, my dad is this huge entity of my life. And he was, he was, we called him Mr. Mom. Like he was at every dance class, every sports game. Like he was the person that essentially raised us. He raised my mom in a lot of ways too, because they met when she was so young. So they're like 30 years apart, but he, he always would say, these are my three girls. So we was having like, I think that when you lose a parent, but like going through, especially cancer and stuff like that, you just, you have this timeline 
and it's so gnarly, especially for, I think, like a teenager when you're younger going through it, because you, your sense of mortality isn't, is developed. Like you're, you just, you feel like you've got so much time in the world and you feel like your parents have so much time in the world because you're young and you can do anything, like life doesn't affect you. And so that was a really, for me, it very much just changed my world very much. And so 18, I was like, okay, well, I stay home and I'll go to school around here and you know like and so we did like you know every few days we'd, we'd change off days my sister my mom myself and so we just like really wanted to make the most of his last year two years with us and I, I did in a lot of ways I got to be really close with him like closer but um, what it did for me was I basically just every year I would change majors so I've had like seven like it's honest to god when I, I broke it down once on a tiktok because i was like this isn't like just don't do what i did whatever you do don't do this like it was a journey but i don't think i would go back and do it so i was in broadcasting i was in art history i love like everything creative you could think of so art history i loved it psychology was just a mind fuck because i was like uh oh <laughs> I'm learning too much about myself. <laughs> like, like, oh no, this, uh, I'm learning things about things up here. No. Yeah, like don't go deeper into that because you're going to open a can of worms. But like I, re I did broadcasting because I was convinced, convinced I was going to be like a news anchor and I was like communications. Like I was like, maybe I'll be a host. Like, you know, I think I've always just really wanted to be in an artistic field like photography, fashion. And I really, I think just with fashion in general, growing up in Laguna at 18, the same time I had a family friend and she was getting pregnant and she wanted she had a little boutique in Laguna and she was like I'd like a break and so my best friend and I basically took over the boutique and we started doing buying in LA and like I just got this taste of fashion that I had never really previously had before I was just like all of this like give me everything I love like I just loved it and also it was kind of like retail so it was people talking and buying and just and, you know, Laguna, like, it was the dream. And so I really, once I kind of dabbled my toe into there, I knew probably I'd end up within, like, the fashion realm. And I tried a lot, like, photography. There was a bunch of different things. And I somehow ended on knitwear. Like, I genuinely don't know how that, like, not that I do anything with it now. I knew that I've always kind of had this, like, like, I hate saying passion for fashion, but I've just had this, like, love of fashion for such a long time and clothes how it can just change your persona from like outfit to outfit and how you go through phases and how like you know you can just be in, oh I, I I I love it I love everything that it stands for and like what it does for the, the soul and the person I think yeah that's so, that's so true though and it's it's so cool to hear your passion for it because you're right like and then I love hearing your stories about different looks you've experimented with the different eras we've all gone through and obviously it's come back full circle now and there's heaps in 90s and like 2000s coming back low-rise jeans I'm sorry but I could never no I know <laughs> what are you what are your thoughts on low-rise jeans the body's not prepared for that anymore listen I was like do you remember Frankie B's with like the the zipper that was that like the thing is I like and I'm like a low-key hoarder but like a very organized one like we're all have like giant boxes full and I'm like this is 2000 to 2005 but like I'll save it I won't get rid of it and so I was going through shit and I was like oh my god I have the most insane clothing from different eras still have like a cheerleading uniform from high school like it is it is like it's Sometimes I'm like, I need to call. I need to call, but I won't. No, but I, I kind of love it. It's like you've got a cur curation, you've got a little museum going on, and a fashion something. It's like a time capsule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've still got some, like not everything, but, you know, you look through some stuff from 
back in the day, you know, like shoes. I remember, do you remember when Jeffrey Campbell shoes, the, they were like massive. I cannot get rid of them. And I know not everyone owned them, but they were massive back in probably like 2010 up, maybe 2012. I, I can't throw them out. So I, so I could be a hoarder too, but like I, I saved so much money for those. They're beautiful. I mean, they're actually quite hideous. If I'm honest now, I would not wear them. And like, are these like horseshoes? What's going on here? But like, it just reminds you of that time. And it's just, it's nostalgia, right? That's what it is. I can't get rid of them. Yeah. With the little time capsule. And like you said, you have all these stories that are associated with it. And this like kind of person that used to be. And I, and that's what I love kind of about fashion is seeing the like story that you were like from, cause it's inevitably it changes so much. You can't show me a person that their style hasn't evolved just like, you know, like ge genuinely. And that's what I love about it. Like you can be in Bohemian, you could go to like vintage girly, like artsy, like it's just, and it says so much about you. That's what I just, I, I, I genuinely, that's why I love it. It's like, a, it's a language of an, like of an itself. And I love seeing, especially when the, like you get like the super fashion girlies and they're just so out there. Like I love that shit love that but it's like that's my yeah that's definitely my little my little my love like my little nugget of love so yeah no I love that so much it's so important I love that for you and I love fashion too and it's, it's so exciting to chat about it do you think when your dad was sick and you know that would have been incredibly hard for you and your family do you think fashion in a way was and it's probably been like this throughout your life a way to make yourself feel good and and also, you know, express yourself maybe when you're going through awful experiences in life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a total kind of therapy. Shopping is like a dangerous therapy in of itself. Like, that is like, don't get me started with that. Like, I definitely have dabbled into the, like, uh-oh. Because it does. It makes you, like, sometimes it makes you feel very good. So you got to be careful. you got to be very careful and not, like, have it as a, a crutch. But, um, no, I definitely, I think that I always really liked just the way that certain kind of like clothes or environment, like I just, I really gravitated towards kind of different looks to make myself feel a certain way. Like I touched on it in a TikTok a while ago, but it was um, like, I dressed like I had all this confidence, but I didn't have it. And so it was like kind of armor for me because it really was like, I'm going to put this like, it, it, you know, it was like putting on, basically it was armor because it was like, oh, I'm going to show the world what I am or how I, who I am but I can't yet fully like get it out or emote it myself. And so it was a visual kind of like, here I am, this is what I'm about versus what I was really, cause I really struggled. I think especially in my younger twenties to have that kind of confidence. I look at myself now versus then and it's so crazy. Cause I am the person I've always been, but I just, I feel like in your twenties, especially younger twenties for me, I was so just concerned with what other people thought of me I had so much I just I, I, I couldn't I wouldn't and couldn't do so much because I would put other people's perceptions on me and I would just internalize them so much and I think that part of it is like you know you go through a really traumatic thing and you're trying to find your confidence again and you just kind of you know you get into a dark place because essentially that's kind of where I was at like I got very sad and depressed and that's life you know and coming back out of it I used clothes as kind of like a way to talk without me talking mm. that you know like I met my people like by being the same style like it was just it's so I think that journey for me I just have that I'll always have a special place for it because it really does kind of like signify a lot for me yeah how did you with clothes and fashion obviously that was helping you but how did you get yourself out of that place and 
How did you get your, I mean, it's one of those things we all, a lot of us go through the worrying what people think so much that it can literally hold your back. And you look oh. back on yourself in your 20s and you think, oh my goodness, I wish I could shake her and just tell her not to worry. But a thousand percent. Like, what are some of the things do you think you did? Or do you just think you just kept going? I think it's, I think it's more about just like keeping going. But I really did. I mean, honestly, therapy was like the best thing in the world. Like once, because it took me so long. I didn't do therapy for a very long time. And I think I really met, like, I really thought, you know, I was raised to be this strong, independent woman. And I thought, no, I can do this on my own. Like, that's what I was raised to be. This is what I am. And so I had that kind of internal dialogue. But um, I wasn't that strong. And I wasn't that independent. It was just what I kept telling myself. And until I really got into therapy, and that was three years ago, I really, I, I recognize now that I was doing so much to just sweep stuff under and not feel things and just like put blinders on and be like, okay, this affects me so much, but I can't let it affect me because then that's going to be like a domino to everything else. I think for me, just my, my 20s was chugging through it and having really difficult times and feeling like, and that's where all the highs and lows came because it was constantly like, you know, you have this idea of like this perfect life, like everything in my life, there was nothing wrong with it. But then I still just felt so low at times and so just like I had no confidence or I would just, you know, like I, it was a really interesting time. And I wish I could like, it's funny, I wish I could go back and shake her and be like, nothing, none of this matters. Like these people, you will not be thinking about these people intent. Do not let their opinions affect you. I think the biggest my thing was don't create ideas, like don't create people's opinions that you don't know exist because you're scared and if I could just really I think that was the biggest help that therapy gave me is like you don't know what people are thinking don't think about it and don't create that don't create this world in your head and be scared of that world that you've created because at the end of the day like you don't know what they're thinking and who cares if they're thinking it because they're not going to bed thinking of you nine times out of ten and if they are okay <laughs> look at how does it affect you but but honestly how does if somebody's going to bed thinking about it does it affect you no it doesn't and so I think that for me was my biggest kind of it, it took therapy for me genuinely and it took a lot of trauma and I have touched on it before but sometimes and I trauma can be a good thing because it really just completely changes your world and your perception of a lot of things. And so for me, my dad, and like going through that, I I tried to be really strong and independent. And I tried to like come off as this, like I've got everything together. And on paper, it looked that way, you know, inside, probably a different story. And then later on, going through things with my son, just really recognizing that, you know, my husband and I kind of like talk about it sometimes. And we're like, we, we were lucky in a weird way. And I, and people, I, it's weird when people hear that because they're like, lucky. Like you don't understand because your perspective just shifts completely. Like you actually get this second look and it's so rare that you can be living a life and all of a sudden have that life just shatter and then come out of it and be like, wow, I see things completely differently now. And so for me, trauma really was a it's the catalyst for a lot of things for me, for change, for how I've how I've changed personally, for how I treat life. I, you know, I think that with there can't be good without bad. And sometimes it takes the bad to really like let you bring in all the good. And that was what happened with me. Totally. And trauma, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's not always like you're like, yay, trauma in my life. I'm so happy. But it does build that resilience and that's what I think, you know, it really, and, it, and it's shown you what's important in your life. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. Still to come, Chelsea shares her story of rebuilding herself after trauma, why we need to embrace being cringe, and many more inspiring takeaways. We'll be back after a quick break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, you touched on a bit about, you know, your, your lives have changed a little bit, but, you know, that's when you did end up in therapy. And if you're comfortable talking about it, I know it's been a really awful time for your family and I'm so pleased that things are a lot better now but talk us through you know what what has happened with your family and your son well I know and I we talked about it a little bit the other day where I was saying look you would have asked me this a year ago and my voice would have cracked I wouldn't have been able to talk and there was two years ago I wouldn't have been able to actually say certain words because again I was in my head just reliving that like mental movie and I had these ideas that if I said certain words or if my husband said certain things things were gonna happen and you know and so it's and that's what trauma trauma is gnarly like I like it couldn't your you your brain is the scariest place no one can hate me more than I've hated myself just going through all of this and, you know, a few years ago with our son, so living a completely normal life, like I, you know, production manager, my husband, business analyst, like we have everything together. We're doing our nine to fives. We got daycare under lock. Like we have that routine, like down steady. And I really had this, like, oddly enough, it was um, at COVID. And I, so at the start of everything in 2020, and I had this weird moment of being like, wow, my life's like so together and just felt like very proud of myself because of everything that I had gone through with my dad. And it took so much for me to kind of build that back up and I remember thinking like wow like good on you Chelsea and essentially so my son was diagnosed with a Wilms tumor which is a really rare cancer it's stage three kidney tumor so he had a 1.2 kilo tumor on his kidney and at the time he was almost 13 kilos so taking that out I like I look back at it and I like because you know you'll get your iPhone and you'll get like little pictures and I'm like how the like just world collapsing world shattering I took him to get a little lactose test because I was like oh maybe it's he's lactose intolerant or maybe you know like maybe like I had all these ideas in my head nothing scary right like in your head you're like you're living a perfect world nothing can get to you and from the doctor's office we went straight into the ER from the ER they had us go and do all these scans we were admitted that night by 11 o'clock that night we had surgeons coming to us saying okay so get upstairs to level four you're going to go in for a CT on Monday you're going to go in for surgery on Wednesday you're going to start chemo on the following Monday you're going to have radiotherapy and it was just like when you get information it just it you know and you're standing there and you're completely shell-shocked just like I what I heard was and I you know obviously you you take it all in as much as you can. But I heard like stage three and I just completely attached it on to my father because that was, we had a sit down when I was 16 years old. My dad was like, I've got stage three cancer and this is it. We've got a plan. And so my world at that moment just, I mean, it blew up, it collapsed, I shattered. I But at the same time, I became this like such a strong person for him, but only for him. 
I was so weak. So essentially, we went through it all. We went through, you know, radiotherapy. And again, we had this weird thing, my husband and I, because you go and you're surrounded by these lovely families and these people and these doctors and nurses. And for radiotherapy, you get these stickers and they make this big poster for you. And they make it so, they, I mean, Starship is, I will eternally be grateful for the people that work at Starship because they are a different be like different breed of human. They are so lovely and just, they take so much consideration for not only the child but the parents and they make these beautiful posters and stickers and they make you know like your kids going in for radiotherapy and you're like what and they've got play specialists coming and they're you know like everyone's rallying around you so you know my husband and I would be like seeing these kids that have had 30 days of radiotherapy and Eli had to have six and we were like oh thank god like so you feel oddly lucky when things are going around and people would even come up to us like we had um kidney specialists this one that said you know if you get cancer this is the cancer you want to get like people say the craziest shit to you but you're like <sighs> so he did six days radiotherapy so 10 weeks of weekly chemo and then 15 weeks of one week off two weeks on and he had the gnarliest stuff so he's on um vincristine dactinomycin and then doxorubicin which is such a gnarly chemo drug that it can make them cry red and pee red so it looks like your child's crying blood like first and foremost it's just some of the gnarliest shit you could imagine but the positive to it is you, you have these stacks and stacks of like books and knowledge and information. And for me, I'm constantly going on Google being like, what do I know? And that oddly led me down the rabbit hole of herbalism and like how all of those chemo drugs derive from plants. So that just put me on this like crazy path. I had him chewing on dandelion root because the doxorumicin was degrading his heart and dandelion root if you chew on your heart. Like I just, I went, I became this version of myself that I never knew existed. For him, I was baking every day, like pasta parties at midnight, but you are completely shattered. Like, you know, my husband and I would take turns just crying to each other every night. And we were in such a horrible place. And I mean, the reason I got into the weekly therapy is I was so solid through all of the like treatment. And I was like, we got this, you know, like I've got this, we're going to feed him. I'm going to get those ounces up. He's not going to have an NG tube. Like I had, I created the little kindergarten in our house. Like I was, you know, like I became this super mom and I loved being that version. And I still love being that version, you know, like I love being able to be home when he comes home and baking with him and doing all that. But I really ended up just being only able to be strong for him. And then after everything happened, I was so still so internally broken and I was still so connecting like, okay, you know, I had this wonderful life growing up and I had such an amazing family and I had my father who was like, I, you know, like I was such a daddy's girl. I looked up to him so much. And when he was taken by, you know, cancer, I like lost, it was like my rug got pulled out from under me and I lost everything. And I really started connotating my son with my dad. And that was the worst mental place. Like I got to such a gnarly place where I was starting to think about really bad things. And I needed, I knew, I recognized I needed to get out of my headspace and I needed help doing it because I couldn't do it on my own. And that's when I started therapy was when he was out of chemo, not when he was in it. Like I was so sweet when he was in it. It's like trauma grief. You can do so much when you're going within trauma. And then afterwards, it's like this faucet and you literally freeze and you're like, holy shit, I should be okay now, right? but then you're just not. I can look back and be like, wow, at this time, two years ago, 
you know, my husband could say something to me at the table and it would trigger me into a spiral, mental, physical. I, I wouldn't be able to eat dinner and it, like it would make me physically ill. Being able to now process things in a healthy way and sit in my gratitude and go and like, you know, every time something happens, I like write it down and I have a little gratitude journal. Just if it's like my son doing something funny or saying something or just a moment where I just feel really happy, I'll make sure to write it down because then it's just this constant like reminder of it's okay. Like there's going to be bad, but look at you've got all of this good. And I think that's been my saving grace for me personally is just holding on to that really good. Because look, life is going to throw the craziest shit at you, right? No matter what. And it's going to keep coming. And that's like, I can't just be like frozen in my fear, which is ironically why I got on TikTok. It was a therapist, like genuinely, it was like, let's find things that scare you, not associated to Eli, but let's find things that scare you. Do them and understand you don't have to be frozen in fear. And TikTok was like my version of Vine being like, well, shit, I couldn't do it then. Maybe I could do it now. And if I do it now, like, well, will I have that fear? And it was really getting through that, that I was like, oh no, this is fucking fabulous. Like, I love this like I can talk to no one and everyone and it's fantastic I mean I hope it does that for other people if I could like pass anything on it's genuinely like fear is in the mind a fear is what you make it right? Like it's genuinely, it can be as scary as anything. Or you could just really look at it and be like, it doesn't matter. Nothing what people are going to think or what you're, mostly what you're going to think of yourself. Oh my God. Save your opinions for something else that really matter. Like you just yeah. be confident. And I know that's hard. We've touched on like the tall poppy thing in New Zealand, which is I still don't understand. I don't get why people are not like cheerleaders for other people in this country because I'm like, come on, like you guys are amazing. Like you're doing something so great. Build everybody up. It's a, it's a small country. We should be like the biggest cheerleaders for yeah. each other. Just like killing it. But yeah. I don't know. That's my California side coming out being like, come on guys, you're amazing. I've often said we could learn a lot from Americans in terms of the confidence thing and, uh, and you know, not tearing others down and, and not tearing ourselves down. You know, when we do something, we, we dim it down like, oh, you know, I've just started doing this thing or like I've started this business or, and, but we kind of like, we shame ourselves. We gaslight ourselves and I you'll say oh it's for a bit of a laugh or something it's like no it's for like you enjoy it like tell people that you it gives you joy or you find whatever you find in it that's okay it's okay to feel confident I know and I know it's like there's ego and there's confidence yeah it's it's such a deeply ingrained thing in our culture. I think it comes from the British because um, they settled New Zealand. But I, I just think, of course, there's a fine line, like you say, between ego and confidence. And sometimes that stuff does keep you humble and it's good. But I can know looking at my own life and it would just save me so much time and stress over things that just don't matter or beating myself up. And if I look back, you know, not that it's all about doing things all the time, but if I looked at what I could have done instead, I'm like, man, you wasted so much freaking time worrying about, you know, all that stuff that doesn't even matter, you know, or dulling yourself down. Yeah. The dulling yourself down, that's a big one. 
I caught myself doing it when I first came here. Like, I had these moments of, like, because, okay, I'm from Southern California. I like dressing up. I like going out. Like, I like looking good. And I know that's part of where I grew up and how I grew up and things like that. Like, it was a few times I had gone out with people, and they were like, oh, like, you're dressed nice. Or, oh, did you put lippy on? And it's like, it was just because it wasn't there it wasn't what they were into but it was like a projection and I and I really internalized that when I first moved here being like oh I'll just put my kicks on and I won't put makeup on because I'm gonna be meeting up with people that don't do that or like oh, I remember wearing a silk shirt or something like it was like something fancy I don't know and I wore it to like a like a Christmas dinner and my husband's in-laws were like oh we're just like a t-shirt kind of and I was like well that's cool like you can do that but I'm gonna I'm gonna do me and I lost that for a little while and I think I've just found it tenfold recently because I'm like no no fuck it like I'm gonna I need to put an ensemble on because that's what brings me joy there's so many things in this world but like if it's the small things put a nice outfit on go to dinner it makes you feel good do it don't not do it because it's gonna make somebody else feel like oh well I didn't dress up or whatever yeah I want to touch on that more soon isn't it interesting how like little things you know oh you've worn lipstick well why do people internalize that stuff? Does it let people live? And, you know, by you doing that and you doing what you're doing now, like you're showing other people that that's cool to do. You know, it's it's all about why are we getting stuck on these silly things? There's so many bigger things in the world, like, you know, you've experienced rather than, oh, she's wearing a fancy top. Like, oh, who does she think she is? Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, guys, this is what I mean. Like, think of the things we could do. We could be, you know, solving all these things illnesses and so many things if we weren't trying to tear each other down because someone wore a fancy top or a lipstick to a dinner you know it's just so it's just a waste of time because <laughs> you can take on other people's opinions or judgments of yourself and you can really you can internalize them and you can make them affect how you how you act further down I think it's a normal thing for people to do to hear criticism and say oh I'm going to change this about myself but my take now is like well, I've heard your criticism, but this still makes me happy or this, I find joy in this and therefore I will continue to do that. And I think it's also, it's with age. You stop fucking caring about other people's opinions as much, genuinely. Hey, let's go back a little bit. So you did touch on an awful time in your family's life where your son was sick. How long was that treatment for? That It sounds Honestly, I was tearing up listening to you explaining it. It just sounds absolutely brutal for a little boy to go through. It breaks my heart. Oh, I know. And I think that that's where the thing is, like, you just feel, and I remember saying this to a friend who came over to visit, and I was like, life, I just don't feel like life is fair anymore. So we had an initial surgery that took the tumor out and one of his kidneys. And then we had 25 weeks of chemo. We had a week of radiotherapy. And then we had to have a little bit of downtime to see what happened. And he still had a little, like a shadow on his other kidney. So 25 weeks all up. And then we had to go in for a second surgery a few months after the chemo ended because we had to remove a portion of his other kidney. D did you know you can let, you can do all you need to do internally with only three quarters of a kidney? I didn't know this. And the kidney grows. So his little kidney has started growing Aww. back. Like they've like, Aww. we have these little like small triumphs. But um, so important to celebrate those things, isn't it? You, you've been shown a complete different side, multiple, you know, two times in your life now. And I think it's so cool that you celebrate all those moments because it's worth celebrating. It's not silly. It's really awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, I, I was, I always tell my friends this, but 
COVID for us was a bit of a saving grace because everyone was inside. And this all happened during the first lockdown. Like right after the first lockdown, we took them in. You know what? We had like a year and a half after that of just like three level, whatever, like all the levels. But it meant that everyone wore masks that he would wear a mask and he didn't get looks. Like, you know, normally when you have a kid that's going through chemotherapy or cancer, you just you just get looks. And it's just that one thing that coming from a cancer mom, you've, I hated it. Like, I just, that was the thing that I didn't want the most because you don't want them to be like, well, why, what's different? You just don't want their world to change. Even though everything in it has changed, you just want to like protect them from everything and anybody. And um, I was able to do that because... We were inside. It was normal for us to stay inside. I created this insane bubble. I became slightly maybe a little more insane than I needed to, being like, have you seen anybody? And like, I just bubbled us. It's so easy for kids during chemo and radiotherapy to get sick. And then you end up on level seven. You end up in hospital because you you have to be there. And and at the first, I think, week of chemo, we had a head RA, like a nurse come in, and she said, it's normal for you guys to be in here. Like, it will be normal for you to come in when he has a cold and you'll be back. And I just, I remember promising myself, promising him, that's not going to be you. Like, you're going to be at home. We're going to create this bubble. I will have a school at the house. I will literally do, we will Zoom. We will play time. We will do all of these things with everybody, but I will make your life perfect the only unlucky thing was getting my mom over here like my father-in-law is a KC so he's a QC at the time and he wrote this letter like if it wasn't for him she wouldn't have been in the country I just I know that because I couldn't have mentally handled it she was in LAX four different times at the airport and kept getting denied and so she kept buying flights kept buying flights and she was like I'll get there I'll get there just will make it work. And so we finally got her here. You know, thank God that that happened. After all of this, I remember going to a doctor and they were like, okay, so you've like, I had lost a lot of weight and it was all due to stress. It was like my body was eating itself because I just, I stress is gnarly and stress can do the weirdest things to your body. But I had gone in because I had this squiggle on my stomach and I was like, what's going on? What is this? And I had gone to like a really dark place with it being like, oh God, we get him better and now I'm going to be sick and I just like lost my shit. But I went in and I had to get an in- like an internal ultrasound and the tech was like, God, you're just all like bone and muscle. And I told her, I was like, I wake up and my body's sore because I've just been clenching myself like I'm just like I I was constantly just clenching every muscle in my body because I was so stressed out and I didn't realize that that's how I was living my life I'm the number one advocate for therapy now because coming from that to where I am now is just across the field that's so good we're going to chat a little bit about your therapy but just to wrap up on this stuff your so your son is well now so how long did it take to get to a place where things were looking a lot better for it. So he's in maintenance right now, which means that we get him checked every three months. And every three months for me is like, I'll have a few good really months and then I'll have a month where I still just prepare myself to mentally just get a little crazy. So that's the stage we're at now. And that was, so we're almost coming up to, in December, we'll switch to six monthly checkups. But when he's eight years old, we can officially say he's cancer free. And I think that's, I know, sorry, that's my like, I got a knock on wood. <laughs> no, I do that too. And I want to do that for you to like support that for you for sure. Yeah. And I keep telling him, I was like, your eight year old party is going to be insane. Like, I think the journey really for me started last year when I was, I incrementally started getting him back into daycare and I would be in my head and I'd have to go and pick him up early and hug him. And it's a progression. Like I still have moments now where I'm like, it's a bad day. 
you know, and I really have to sit and read my gratitude journal for a little bit longer. The biggest piece of advice, if I could go back and say anything, is stop living in the movie in your head. Stop creating the worst case scenario and stop watching it in your head because it's the worst place you can be. Go out in the world, live your life, do what makes you happy. And if you need to forget about certain things, go do something else. Take a walk, go to Newmarket. <laughs> like, you know, and that's maybe why I'm there a little frequently is I'm like, oh, I'm gonna step out of my head for a little bit. I'm gonna go there and we're gonna just walk around and I'm gonna get energy from other people and I'm gonna talk to little sales girls and they're gonna be the sweetest things in the world. I just make sure that I acknowledge when I'm having that kind of bad time and like honor it, but get through it. Yeah, go do something, like go get your nails done. And I've recently, like I don't have it at the moment, but for the last, I reckon six years, I've always had shellac on my nails. But part of that self-care thing, you know, people might think, oh, that's just like a bougie thing. But literally it's it has been my place when often you don't feel good, you go get your nails done, you feel really good. And, you know, I use my hands a lot. It sounds weird. I use my hands a lot for my job. So I'm always editing or if I'm on a radio panel, and just looking at them, it just makes me happy and I just like it. So I feel, I get that. I get that completely. It does. Those things are really, you know, people might think they're silly, but they, they aren't always, that might be something that, you know, and I, I saw you do a video on that where, you know, people might think shopping and all this stuff, we, fashion is all frivolous, but it might actually really mean something to someone and it might actually mean them getting out of a really dark place. So we shouldn't just dismiss that yeah I think that things can be silly to other people but they can really help you or like but you know what I mean like some things you could look at some things and be like oh my god I could never but that's cool that's you that might not be the other person and so just not putting our opinions and our self like our judgments on everybody I think that I mean the biggest takeaway is it's your life we literally all have one one life one life we get do you know how many summers that is that's not a lot of summers Let's focus on our individual lives and living them as truly, however you, like, what makes you truly happy. It's not going to make your best friend, your neighbor, whatever. Like, everyone's so individual. Honor that. Honestly, if you, if you feel like you have the right or the audacity to look at somebody having a good time doing something positive and put your negativity on it, bro, turn that negativity inward at yourself. I, I said this before, but, like, attitude is everything. And my dad very much ingrained in me at a very young age, attitude is what you make it. So somebody can do something to you. They can slight you. They can do whatever. It's on, That's them. It's how you in turn react to it. You can go down and you can be hateful and spiteful or whatever. Or you could look at it and be like, okay, it doesn't affect me. I'm still living my life. And also they might, like compassion's a big thing. They might be going through something. Let's take a beat. This isn't going to affect me. This is on them. You just go and you live your life the way you need to. And really, it's the attitude that you bring to the table that affects your life. Like you can choose to bring it down or you can choose to stay up in the positivity. Now that, you know, when you went into therapy and I thank you so much for opening up to us about that. I know it can be really hard to talk about and it's something deeply personal you went through. So thank you so much for trusting us with that. You know, you're you went through a lot that's trauma drive. You're running on adrenaline for quite a long period of time. Our bodies are not meant to live in fight or flight for long periods of time. They just, they're not. It's meant to be, you know, like if a tiger was chasing you back in the day and more and more people are living in it more often, particularly when they're going through things like awful, like you went through. When you got to that place where, you know, I mean, it's not like things would have been 
perfectly back to normal. I don't like using that word, but you know, when was it when you when you thought, okay, I need help? You talked about having some really dark thoughts. What was going on for you? What was like what was happening in your head? So it was ironic because I think the trigger for me was getting a text and it was like, congratulations, like Eli, like it was after his last surgery and it was, you know, he had a cancer free check and I got a text being like, congratulations, like, aren't you happy life can go back to normal? And I don't know why, but it just sent me. It just, and it wasn't out of a bad place. Like it was obviously like a positive text coming from somebody, but I took it and I just, it was like my body started sweating. I just was like, how can anybody think that I could be normal? Like, and I think that was my recognition of like, holy shit, I don't know what normal is anymore. My normal is completely out the window. I've got to find what normal is now. It was knowing that I was still in such a bad headspace and expecting the rug to be taken out from under me again and scared to build things back up because I was like, well, if I get to a good space like I was last time, everything's going to get taken again. CPTSD, PTSD, it, your brain can convince you of things that aren't true, aren't there. Like you just, for me, it was, I was really scared because I was constantly like thinking, okay, if he doesn't make it, this is how I'm going to end my life. And I, I was living in that area. And I think for uh, recognizing like, that's not healthy and we need to get help immediately out of this mindset because we need to live in the positive like right now you're just dwelling in the horrible what ifs and living in that space is so draining and so toxic and so vile like it's I I have so much compassion for people that have depression and the disease because you just your brain can do horrible things and they can tell you it can tell you you can convince yourself of horrible things and you can stay in such a horrible place because you don't think there's a way out of it and for me I was lucky enough to be like okay there's a way out of this I know there is what does that look like and I was so hesitant to get help at the beginning because I really was like no look at what I've done like because everyone kept telling me god you're a super mom like you're so amazing like only you could handle it kind of you know and like you get all this crazy crazy weird reinforcement of like you got this you're great at this and you're doing such a good job ironically for me going to therapy really started with going through the trauma and the grief that started with my dad and once I was able to process that because I was so interconnecting my dad and Eli because it just like brings up everything from the past and all the things that I hadn't dealt with and then on top of things that I'm currently dealing with so I was just like it's like you were drowning going to therapy for me and the it was it wasn't so much as a conscious choice it was like I, I have to do this because there's no other option. Like what what does life look like if I don't get help? Like it's not life. From two years ago, a year ago, like I am so proud of myself for where I'm at now. And I was proud of myself where I was at a year ago because I just see this change and it's only getting more positive. The reason I stay home, the reason I'm not working right now is because I have a really big, like it's the what if never goes away, I think. You are, you are such an amazing mother. Like you, I'm so in awe of you and I just think you're incredible. But at the same time, you're still allowed to, you know, like you're saying, people saying, oh, you're doing such an amazing job. That's still valid at the same time of you struggling. You can have both. And just because you're doing well doesn't mean you aren't entitled to help as well. You know, I think that's something we sort of gaslight ourselves into thinking, right? Because we're like, no, but I'm so lucky. I Someone else has got it way worse. But you're allowed to... You know, your, your feelings are so valid. Oh my God. 
oh my god I would say this all the time especially when we were going through like the stuff with the Eli like people would have a sick kid or whatever was happening like oh it's nothing compared to what you're going through and I was like bro like everyone in their own world what you're going through it affects your life like your your thing that you're going through is just as big as what we're going through because it's affecting your life and you know we'd have that perspective change a lot when we go to level seven and we'd see some kids that had it way worse and it's like wow we thought we had it bad but you know like but then we're like no wait wait don't do that you're going what you're going through affects you so it's big therapy is such a process but did you and you've seen transitions in yourself and and you should be so proud of those things and now being able to talk about it and your growth did you did it take a little while to get out of that really dark space you were in though like did that did they really help with that kind of obviously it's not like you can click your fingers and it's gone but did therapy really help get you out of that place I think it took me like a, genuinely a year before I really kind of like sat back and was like, oh, okay, this, this is actually working and this, this is helping. You know, I was doing the gratitude journals. I was doing things, but in my head, I'm like, this doesn't help. Like, and I was having all this self-doubt. And I think really though, it was that like the small steps. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh my God, I'm so far down the line. Like, how did I get here? Because you don't realize it. So it, for me, it took a solid like year until I really was like, oh, okay, no, this is good. Let's keep doing this. We'll wrap up soon. But to touch on, you know, you've talked about therapy being part of your self-care, you know, like your love of fashion and beauty and all the good things and taking care of yourself. What are some of the other self-care practices that have helped you get to this place that you can look back on now and go, yeah, that stuff's really helped? Honestly, it's like having my time. And I know that's weird because I just, I had never had time. I, I gave it all to just being around my son and like just literally not having a second to myself like and I always was like oh it's too selfish but like really now making a conscious effort to say okay I've got I've got like two hours and I'm gonna do this and whatever it is in those two hours whether it's walking through Newmarket whether it's going up walking Mount Eden oh my god going and having like a breakfast or a brunch alone joy I think my husband and I like really making an effort to just say, okay, like we're going to have a dinner and it's just going to be us. Because I think that was our whole life was so intertwined and entangled that we had to step back out. And it was a really big push for us to say, oh, let's take some time individually so we can rebuild ourselves. But yeah, I think my self-care is like you're saying, like it's, you know, you touch on the superficial, it's going out and perusing the shops, going to get my, my nails done, doing really like baseline things that just bring me a lot of joy. Crafting. Are you a craft mom? I love that. <laughs> I, I love a craft. Oh my God, I love it. Don't get me started. I'll do a mermaid box. Get, give me some shells, paint some sequins. Like I love shit like this. Like that brings, that actually brings me probably more joy than anything because I just, like I get to relive my youth that way. Yeah, and being creative, it's so important. And you've shared some advice that you would share with your younger self, you know, about not caring. Is there anything else you would tell younger Chelsea, the experiences you've been through and what you know now, what would you tell her? I don't think I would want to like warn her of anything because I think the whole, you know, going through everything was really pivotal to change. I mean, if I could take it back, I would. Like if I could give myself cancer instead of my son, a thousand percent. I think that's every parent's like, you know, you bargain with God every night saying, give it to me. I wish I could say to my younger self, like it, everything gets better with time. It just does. Don't get caught up in the small things because there's so many big things out there because they'll come, they'll come your way when they're supposed to. Like the universe really does work that way. Weird, weird side note. So when my son was sick, I called my mom and she's like, okay, I'm on the next flight. And she lives in Northern Idaho right now. So she went to LA to visit because um, my, her sister, my cousins all live there. And so she went there ironically. And so my aunt had been struggling 
she was she had cancer for a few years, but you know it was in remission, whatever. She didn't tell anybody that had it had come back except for her family. It was her last week. My mom got to say goodbye to her sister in person because she was waiting for me for waiting for the plane and you know so she essentially and she, and it's so weird that it worked out this way because she wouldn't have been able to say goodbye to her sister had this not ha like and so the universe really does say like hey you're supposed to be here at this time this is going to happen we're going to you know and I just it's crazy how things happen and obviously if you could change anything but that's one thing that you find the silver linings and the bad things and I think that that's the one kind of silver lining for us and our family like my mom got to have her last moments with her sister and then come here and be my rock life is gonna hand you a lot of shit like it's you're never gonna have a life full of like flowers sunsets like and there cannot be light without darkness like you can't just you can't always be positive you can't always have the best life so tell myself like ride the wave it's just a wave because it's gonna you're gonna be up you're gonna be down it's gonna be sweet yeah I love that and I usually ask advice people would like to share with those listening but you've kind of given us a lot of advice in that you know is there anything else you want to touch on you know things that people could take away from this conversation and and you know what you're doing and what you're the journey you're on oh my god don't not do it just because you're afraid you know me at 20 25 whatever like I would have been terrified to do the silly TikToks that I'm doing now and I get sometimes they can be cringe like I like fully aware fully aware that it has the ability to come off good but who fucking who cares you're gonna be cringe in your life have fun with it do what you want like do not be scared of what your neighbor or who whomever says like no no live your life yeah there's a few things in that you're not making it for your friends and family and in this situation you were making it for yourself it was like your therapist told you you know get on through this if this is going to help you yeah but also I read something recently which is so true if you're not making yourself cringe you're not doing you're not pushing yourself hard enough because if you're staying in your comfort zones you know like you need you need to make yourself cringe and probably other people aren't cringing at you well maybe they are but who cares like you know yeah but I say that with style too like if you can't look back at your style from like 20 <laughs> 25 30 and you're not like oh god oh god like push the go on like push it a little more like you want to be able to look back and be like why did I wear this I look back <laughs> on myself all the time like I had these really cool uh red leather boots and I had this like it was the time of wearing really colorful tights like <laughs> opaque tights and I used to wear like green I look like a freaking leprechaun I used to wear like green tights with my red boots and I don't think I wore that exact outfit to my broadcasting school interview but I know I know I wore some embarrassing outfit and my papa my dad's dad at the time who took me to my interviews he'd be like what are you wearing like he wasn't trying to be mean but he's like what are you wearing like come on we're gonna, we're gonna we, you're off to try and get yourself a career in broadcasting you know which getting into it it's a bunch of weirdos anyway so it's fine yeah no I look back on so many of my times you know I definitely experimented a lot with my looks yeah but that's the joy that's gonna bring you do you know what that's gonna bring you the laughs later on that's gonna bring you the joy like don't live so narrowly that you're gonna miss out on this big bad wide world make bad decisions like honestly don't be so beige in life I reckon don't be so beige and boring like give yourself something to laugh about 
Right, right, exactly. Like your future self is going to need a lot of laughs. And listen, let me tell you, you look back at your 20s. Thank God I lived in my 20s because my 40s, I'm a little bit of a fuddy-duddy. I always have to remind my husband. I was like, I was cool. I was very cool. You don't know how cool I was. I was a queen of the hipsters in San Francisco. Queen, <laughs> the queen. You don't know I had feathers in my hair. Come on. But like, I, but I look back now and I'm like, oh God. Now he'll never know how cool I was, but was I cool? <laughs> you were cool. You still are cool. Looking back on some of those looks, what are they for you that you look back on and you're like laughing at? Oh my God. Well, the colored tights in general, I think that my my preference was blue. Ooh, with a slouchy boot. And like yes. the layered tank dresses. So like the slouch, somehow like a balloon dress, like oh, genuine. But the, yeah. the worst was, and this is why I feel like, so my hair is now a security blanket. I used to be a hair model for Tony and Guy in the early 2000s. So I always had like a fashion mullet and like one side, like short, one side, like asymmetrical oh long. I did that too in like little shave patches and stuff. Oh, yes. And like, they always called it flavor. My best friend was a colorist and she's like we need to put some flavor in it so I'd have like black hair with like shots of like bright yellow or pink or blue and like I mean emo fashion girl like just and then I went to San Francisco and I was like vintage everything like put some loafers on me I got some oversized like Dior cardigans like I'm living it up yeah oh Chelsea thank you so much for your time today you were honestly you're so lovely and you're such a good person and I just an awe of you I think you're awesome so thank you so much for coming to have a chat with us oh yeah I love listen I love a gab I'm a chatty queen so I love talking but thank you for having me on it was been it's it's been fun that's all we've got time for you can watch videos of this episode and all of our others on our self-love club podcast instagram I'll also leave direct links in the show notes for my TikTok where you can watch them as well. The most helpful way you can support us is to make sure that you hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app. This is the number one way to help us grow and help us out in the charts. Also, select automatic downloads, leave us a five-star rating, and if you're enjoying listening, write us a kind review. And send the link to your friend, someone who you think will enjoy listening, and also share us and tag us on your social media. Keep up with our content. I'm at Belle Crawford on Instagram, Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok. And you can also join our private Facebook group. Details with links to all of these are in our show notes. New episodes are released on Mondays from 5am New Zealand time. I'll catch you soon. Early the most. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.